My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's never flossed in an open plan office. It's my sister, Marissa. I've never flossed outside the confines of my own bathroom. Yeah, that's pro tip, everyone. Our mother flosses in every room of the house. I find it inexcusable. (laughs) But at least she's not doing it at work. Well, she's retired now, so... (laughs) That's right. I I can't stand it when people at work uh, brush and floss in, in the bathroom. I'm super grossed out by it. I don't ever want to see that. I've seen people do it in airport bathrooms, and I understand it. I understand it at an airport. I understand it. But I'm still like, get it together, guys. Like, (laughs) Well, if they have, like, if they fly in from, like, Australia, like, what do you want from them? That's true. That's true. But. At least use the end sink, like, as far away from the door as possible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll get to some more, uh, what was it? Bad behavior. (laughs) <laughs> crappy, uh, crappy behavior, low grade crappy behavior. Uh, a little later, but uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Good Play. Another doozy of an episode. I feel like we say that every single week. Oh boy, we got a lot. Oh boy, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot to wail about. <laughs> but before we do that, let's hit up some housekeeping. Uh, so as usual, this will be really quick because as usual, you can find us on. Twitter at the Good Play Pod. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we have a group called the Good Play. You can find us uh, if you want to listen to episodes, which I mean you're doing right now. But if you want to listen to our back catalog, <laughs> you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play, and you can also find us at uh, Cast, which is uh, goodplay.cast.rocks. Uh, did I miss anything? Oh, we have a Gmail account. Right. Still, uh, no one has emailed us. I know. So somebody please email us. Oh, okay, thanks. Or if I've missed your email, please tweet at us and let me know. <laughs> it's thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Yes. I think we just, we gotta jump in. Yup. <laughs> it's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. This episode's a lot. It's a lot. Emotionally. It's emotionally a lot. Mm-hmm. Every, yeah. Uh, many glasses of water, many torture scenarios. It's a lot. Yeah. We open on the train that is barreling towards Bad Place HQ, and our cockroaches plus Janet and Michael. We need to give them a name, like a like a collective name, the Something Six. They're on their way, and and uh, Michael shows them a map of the good place and the bad place. Interestingly, they share an accounting department, which. We're going to talk about that, because that's, yeah. that's in the discussion points, everyone. Okay. All right. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, also... They also share the international or interdimensional hole of pancakes. Yes, there's an IHOP in the neutral zone, um, and it stands for an interdimensional hole of pancakes. And you need an upper management pin, like the one that Michael got from Sean a couple episodes ago, the little thumbs down bronze lapel pin, in order to get through the portal that takes them from the bad place HQ into the neutral zone. Jason wants to abandon the complicated plan and just huck a Molotov cocktail and run through the portal. And he mentions that anytime he had a problem and threw a Molotov cocktail, he had a different problem, (laughs) which is true. 
if you remember when he Molotov cocktailed Acid Cat's speedboat. Yes. Janet gives each of the human disguises. And, and in fact, I went back and listened to our last episode and I had like a little thing at the end where I was like, I'm Rhonda and I'm wearing a gray suit and here I go into the bad place. Like, it's exactly what yeah. happens. Yeah. They each get like very, you know, drab kind of grayscale clothing. Eleanor is dressed up kind of like a, like a, almost like a 50s pinup girl. She looks great. She looks, they all look, they all look amazing. Yeah. All look amazing. Although I actually prefer Cheedy in his like professorial wear, but that's my own. That's my own heart <laughs> at work. Uh, so Eleanor is Diana Tremaine. That's the name on her fake ID from high school. Tahani is Rhonda Mumps, who works in the department where she stuffs people full of hot dogs. She specifically mentions vegans, which I thought was pretty funny. She does an American accent that is passable. Yeah. I would say it's yeah. not great. It's passable, but that's just sort of lends to the comedy. Jason decides to be, of course, Jake Jordles. That made me laugh so And he much. works in the Molotov cocktail department. And holy guacamole. He's in this, like, white suit, right? It's, like, light gray, but yeah. It's, light it's gray? Like, yeah. He looks amazing. I mean, so I... So hot! I, if you, if, you know, the clothes make the man, and, and certainly, you know, if there's a person that you've been in a relationship with, sometimes they'll wear something nice and you'll go, oh, wow, they look really nice today. But, like... I have never appreciated more how menswear can work for a man the way that I appreciated Manny Jacinto in that in that light suit. I mean, he dang. Good. <laughs> and I was like, they've really done him a disservice by dressing him up either like a monk or like a Florida dirt, dirt bag this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Cheedy is just in a dark suit and he looks like Cheedy. He doesn't look special or anything. And of course, like, Cheedy starts... Throwing it up in objections to this plan. He doesn't want to lie. And, you know, you can't pick and choose when you follow your principles. Janet dresses herself up as bad Janet. And she has to practice being bad Janet because she's really bad at it, which is like a running joke through the episode. It's really good. It's hilarious. Eleanor and Cheedy discuss Cheedy's reluctance to participate in the lying that is part and parcel of this entire plan. Eleanor sort of has some patience for it, but not a lot. And I will say that this episode is really excellent. But if there's any part of it that doesn't really work for me, it's this through line with Chidi. Only because it feels like a recapitulation of the same Chidi plot line we've seen a lot. Where mm. he just doesn't want to be deceptive. And it kind of feels like a retread in some ways. But it, it is sort it is Chidi's thread through this episode. But Chidi's... Plot is not the primary plot of the episode. They arrive at Bad Place HQ in the train station, uh, where there is a gigantic banner saying that Pirates of the Caribbean 6 will be playing on loop forever. (laughs) Michael leads them out of the train station and into an area that he doesn't want to tell them what it is, but Chidi looks up and sees the sign for a museum of human misery. Michael says, yes, it's a torture museum, but this is sort of the lowest level. This is the, the minor bad behavior section jason asks if there's a gift shop michael says jason this is hell of course there's a gift shop he warns them not to leave because every other place in the bad place is going to haunt them for all eternity so he tells them just to lie low in this museum while he goes and gets them more of those little thumbs down pins so they can make it through the portal as michael is leaving the humans at the museum eleanor tells him to be careful and he's very touched by this 
And he says, you know, I'll be fine. You worry about them. You know, he wants her to look after the other humans. Almost as soon as they arrive, a real bad Janet and another bad place employee come and start setting up the Museum of Torture for some event that we don't know what it is yet. Janet, because she looks like a bad Janet, is tasked to help with setup. So she sort of disappears for a little while. Michael visits Sean and credit to Ted Danson's acting, he almost completely falls back into the Michael that we remember from season one, but there is a little note of it not being as natural as it was. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I thought he was great. He gives Sean the extradition papers that he drew up to get the humans allegedly out of Mindy St. Clair's medium place. He says he needs to take some trusted staff members to get them out and asks for four pins in order to make it through the portal with them. Sean throws the papers in the trash and says he has a different idea. Back at the Museum of Torture, a cocktail party has started up in full swing and the cockroaches split gender-wise so that they don't stand out too much. Chidi and Jason go and they immediately run into Dax Shepard, who is, of course, yes! Kristen Bell's husband. <laughs> this had me rolling. I, they were a uh, great cameo choice. I have Mwah. never seen Dax Shepard in anything. I tried to watch Idiocracy and hated it. So all I know about Dax Shepard is that he's Mr. Kristen Bell. Yes. That's all I know about him. It's just... It's just like the chef's kiss emoji feeling. That's the feeling I had when it was him. I was like, yes. Right. So he thinks he recognizes Chidi and says, Trent, my boy, Trent, you know, you know, we used to work in decapitation 800 years ago. And what are you up to? And, and he says now he's in the toxic masculinity department, which is just so a plus Michael Schur, I love you or whoever wrote, whoever wrote that joke. And also I'll just jump in to say one of the crappy, like low grade behaviors that gets tortured is the first man to say, well, actually to a woman. <laughs> That's nice. So, so Chet, Dak Shepard, AKA Chet has a couple of bro demons who bro down with him in toxic masculinity who are torturing toxically masculine guys. And they're all sort of standing around. And Jason, like, immediately falls in with them. Like, they're his people. Without irony. Without irony, yes. And Chidi is just, like, more and more uncomfortable. Tahani and Eleanor at the bar are doing great because Tahani is just lying her ass off with no trouble whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Oh, and they can swear in this episode. They can. You know, network TV level swearing. Yeah. Good Janet in disguise joins them. Eleanor says, go figure out what this event is and how long it's going to last. So good, bad Janet goes off for that information. We cut back to Sean and Michael. Sean reveals to Michael that he has sent in a black ops team to Mindy's to forcibly extricate the humans. Michael says, you can't do that. It's illegal. Sean says, oh no, Michael said this is illegal. I hadn't thought of that. That was sarcasm. I had thought of that. that, Mark Evan Jackson... It's yes. Perfect. Yeah, he he needs some awards for this. He tells Michael that the experiment blew up in their faces and that he made enough of an example out of Vicky that none of the employees are going to tell tales out of school, but they need to get the humans ASAP. And then he tells Michael that, you know, as soon as we're finished here, we can head down to the museum 
for the unveiling of the exhibit of the neighborhood. And he says the amazing line, I took the form of a 45-year-old white man for a reason. I can only fail up. We cut back to the museum cocktail party. Chidi asks Eleanor what to do about helping Chet. And Eleanor and Chidi start discussing moral philosophy again. And she mentions moral particularism, how there are no, there is not one set of rules that you can use in every single situation. And you have to base your behavior off of what makes sense in that circumstance. And Chidi is just so thrilled that she read outside of the curriculum that he assigned that it's like he doesn't even hear her, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does say, he says something that he, he, he basically is a, is a Kantian dude and he doesn't feel like he can just change what he believes. And Eleanor sort of drops the bomb on him that that set of beliefs sent him to hell. So Yeah, which is... Uh, true but harsh. Yes. And it does seem to hit Chidi pretty hard. Then Chet comes over to pull Chidi back, and he hits on Eleanor, which... <laughs> I, that that was this one moment of like, all right, that's just total fan service, but it was still pretty good. Damn, you got that good steak. Yeah. Janet figures out what the event is for, and she hustles over to the four of them. Then we cut back to... Sean's black ops operation room and we hear the audio of them busting in on Derek and Mindy having some very strange relations but the humans are not there as Sean is in the middle of realizing what's going on Michael steals the coats from the coat rack in the corner of the room in order to get the upper management pins that are on the lapels of them And he runs towards the museum to get the humans. Sean doesn't know where he has gone, so he sends his team out to look for for Michael. Back at the party, Chidi tells the bros to use books uh, to torture this one particular bro that they're looking for a, a way to torture. He says to use books, and he mentions that he used books on this one chick that he had to torture. Then Janet finds the humans and is like, we have to get out of here right now. But just at that moment, they unveil the exhibit of the four humans, which is a pretty it's a pretty funny scene because uh, there are animatronic versions of the four of them, obviously just played by the real actors, yeah. up on a little dais. And they say sort of stereotypical things about themselves. Jason is just delighted by the whole thing. Yeah, he sees himself up there and he's like, it's me! Yeah. (laughs) And his animatronic version just goes, duh. And and he thinks that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's not phased by it at all. Meanwhile, the demons in the audience start to be like, wait, aren't those the people from the party that we were just talking with? Michael runs in, finds them. Immediately on his heels are the sort of demon police or whatever Jason immediately concocts a Molotov cocktail somehow (laughs) he (laughs) somehow finds the ingredients for a Molotov cocktail just lying around and throws one on the ground in front of him to create the opportunity for them to escape to the portal which is what he said he wanted to do at the beginning in the first place yeah he was correct yeah and he yells jordles as he as he throws (laughs) it down Michael and the four humans... Janet gets lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. Michael and the four humans hurry to the portal. He gives pins to Tahani, Jason, and Chidi. And they go through the portal while Jason yells, Portal! (laughs) Security comes in. Michael is looking for 
a fourth pin for Eleanor. And Eleanor's like, you know, come on, give me a pin, man. And then he stops and says, I solved the trolley problem. And that's when the music gets sad. And I said to myself, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, oh, no. He says, the trolley problem forces you to choose between two versions of letting other people die. And the actual solution is very simple. Sacrifice yourself. And he gives his pin to Eleanor. He says to Eleanor, you know, they need you. Look after them. Just the way that he did when they he was dropping them off at the museum. You know, basically bookending the episode. And she's saying, no, Michael, no, no, no. But he has clipped the lapel pin to her lapel and he pushes her through the portal just as Sean and the guards approach. And then he's immediately like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? And then, boom, episode's over. <laughs> I know I I rewatched that that's you know sort of sacrificial moment of Michael's I watched it a a bunch of times hit me right in the feels it was a perfect it was the perfect epitome of Michael's character arc right all season he has been getting closer and closer to the humans he's been getting closer and closer to becoming human himself yes and he, you know, last episode, he said the the most human thing of all is to do something, you know, bold with unearned confidence or whatever. But in some way, maybe the most human thing of all is altruism, which is not a concept that you see maybe a whole ton of in the animal kingdom. You don't really, right? You don't necessarily see one unrelated bird sacrificing itself for another unrelated bird but you do see human beings you know throwing themselves into burning buildings to save people they've never met it is a i'm not saying that every human being would do that but altruism is a pretty human thing yeah and um i don't want to obviously skip right towards article roundup but there is a ted danson did talk about this episode with the hollywood reporter and um, given the conversation that we're having right now, I think his his take on it is very similar to yours, where he says, uh, this is the humanizing of our favorite demon. Uh, it really has been about watching him first out of selfish necessity, you know, might as well join them or we're going to be destroyed by the real bad guys. But then he slowly starts to identify with his humanity. I think Eleanor is his entrance into the humanizing process. So it makes sense that and we've seen that over and over again he just comes over to chat you know with her to talk about ethics and why is this so hard and we've seen them really become friends genuinely over this whole season and it is definitely like the the poignantly right place in his character arc to do something like this i think yeah it proves that you know that in the last episode they named him an honorary human and he really put a stamp on that this episode yeah and and it's i think given how many twists and turns the show has had in terms of people aren't who you think they are right i mean that was the the whole first season was that you know the twists in this season or the i I don't even want to say twists but the the big revelations in this season are people are becoming who they're supposed to be you know not so it's not I didn't. I, I think what you said earlier about how when you see Michael going into Sean's office this time, he does a good job of kind of like trying to 
have some swagger, but you can tell that he's not as committed to it or that, you know, he's understanding kind of how awful it all is. You know, I, I think that's a testament to his performance, but he, he does, uh, there was a time when I think we would have wondered, is Michael going to double cross them? And I never had that thought in this episode. No, no, no. I never had that thought because he's past that. Now, did I think that it was going to end with him sacrificing himself? No, but it is the, I think, the logical conclusion to where he is emotionally with with these other characters and especially with Eleanor. Sigh. I know. Uh, So as I mentioned earlier, the one thing that didn't work as well for me this episode was Chidi's blind adherence to Kantian moral philosophy. Yeah. It felt like, it feels like maybe Chidi's character has not been developing at the same pace as the other characters. I think we've seen a lot of growth from the other cockroaches. Maybe not Jason as much. I think although Jake Jordles. Jake Jordles. Although in the extended version of the golden hot air balloon episode that I've already forgotten the real name of. Our best selves. Yes. He does say something about how... He does say something sort of self-aware. Can you remind me what it is in the extended version? Oh, in the extended version, he says, you know, I haven't been my best self because Tahani keeps wanting to talk about our relationship and I keep dodging her and I haven't talked to Janet. So, like, he's becoming a little bit more self-aware, but I think they cut it out of the aired version probably because it almost sounds too self-aware for him. (laughs) Yeah. Tahani certainly has been coming into her own a lot more. And I think this episode was a pretty good example of how she can use her powers for good instead of evil. Yeah. There's one point where Eleanor overhears her talking about stuffing John Wayne full of hot dogs. And Eleanor just says, she even name drops in hell. And it's just, it's said in the most admiring tone. Yeah, she's got a, a smile on her face when she says it. And obviously Eleanor has progressed so much since the start of this season that it's only Chidi who seems to be stuck in this feedback loop of adhering so rigidly to these principles he had while he was alive, which in some sense is understandable since he's the teacher in this scenario and he's not the student. But on the other hand, Eleanor makes a good point that those principles didn't serve him that well in life. It's not only that he didn't get into heaven. It's also that as he says, he pushed everybody away from him. He never yeah, had he made any... people miserable. Yeah. Yeah. During the roast, when Michael is having to pretend that he is evil, he says some very horrible, but also very accurate things about Chidi's life on earth that seem like they sort of stem from his rigidity. And it would be nice if we could see that Chidi was recognizing that and starting to work on it a little bit. And to some degree, this episode does give him that a little bit, but not really because he's not really lying. Even when he is put in the situation where he has to lie or not just he suffer horrible consequences, but all of his loved ones suffer horrible consequences. He doesn't really lie. No. He talks about Eleanor as though she were his torture victim rather than her his student. But other than that, he is completely truthful. So Well, even he, then he said, I, you know, I had this chick that I had to torture. That is technically true. He just didn't know it at the time, right? If you're talking about 
Oh, snap. That's a great point. (laughs) He didn't know it at the time, but like that was his job was to torture her with books. You're totally right. So that's not technically a lie. When Dax Shepard rolls up on him and is like, it's my man Trent. He's like, yeah. He does that thing. He does that game in Whose Line Is It Anyway when you can only do questions. Yes. He's like, he's like, who else would I be? That's not a lie. Right. You know, or. Uh, How could I say no is another thing. How could I say no? Not a lie. Um, he does manage to get out of the situation, comporting himself completely consonant with his own moral strictures. But that's not character growth, I don't think. And it's not evolution. It's just he sort of cleverly figures out how to twist and bend his way out of this bad situation. But I would like to see Chidi actually confront the fact that his real philosophical beliefs are a problem and they were a problem while he was alive and they're still a problem while he's dead. Yeah, that's a great point. He does ball tap that guy, though. <laughs> he does ball tap a dude. <laughs> and the but guy, that's not what lying. What I love about it is the guy's like, oh, that was great. You convinced me. Like, that's what <laughs> yes. Well, they're bros. I guess, is that, so, am I being naive? Is that a real thing? Do, do bros really ball tap each other? Um... I don't know. No, I don't know. I mean, I put it to you this way. In high school, uh, there were like a group of guys who would sort of uh, make a game out of whether or not they could do it to other guys. But it wasn't the other guy was like trying to have it not happen to him. They were (laughs) avoiding each other. So that they would, you know. It was not like, oh, man, you ball tap me so good. Like, we're best friends now. That's I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I think, well, the, the point about cheating and, and having to kind of confront that, what he, what he believed on Earth and what he still believes now, like, you know, it isn't serving him. And quite frankly, if we go back to, I'm being like a tad pedantic here, but if we're going, if we go back to the first season where remember the episode where Tahani, I mean, obviously this is like an elaborate torture for her, but remember the episode where Tahani sees all the people's points in the neighborhood and she goes out of her way to try and get extra points Yes, because she wants to move up the list. Michael does say to her that once you die, your point totals go away. So Chidi's... I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, so Chidi's whole thing at the very beginning of the episode when they're on the train, where he's like, what if I lie here and that deducts 12 points and then we get to the judge and I'm 12 points short? Well, it wouldn't happen that way because when you die, your point total disappears. You're not being judged in the afterlife for things you're doing now. So I think that... Honestly, that should be freeing for him. I would love to see... Well, he doesn't know that, though. How would he know that? That's true. But he doesn't know that, but I almost, like, maybe that conversation, like, should have happened with Tahani. I mean, I know that for character development reasons, it happened with Eleanor, but, like... Well, Tahani doesn't know either because it happened back in Iteration 1. Oh, yeah, their memories are wiped. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Or maybe he could have had the conversation with Michael. Yes, at some point Michael should have told them that their point values stopped accumulating upon death. Yeah, because that's a good point. That he wouldn't know that, but as the audience, we know that. So it's it took me out of it a little bit. But I I think the larger point about Chidi like progressing a little bit less than the other characters is maybe because the biggest arc that he's had this season is not about 
his own internal belief structure or his internal growth, but his growth as it relates to his relationship with Eleanor and with Michael. Um, So his romantic relationship with Eleanor and the fact that they're sort of foils for each other in a lot of situations. And then his growth with Michael, where he's been the teacher and he's had to kind of come around to Michael and Michael's kind of had to come around to him. But that's all, you know, external things. But I see what you're saying that you'd rather him sort of confront the fact that like, you know, what does he have to lose at this point? (laughs) You know, there are, they're going into this like, completely foreign territory they're they're endeavoring to do something incredibly dangerous and if he doesn't pull it off then they're gonna be if if he doesn't conform to the plan then they're gonna be just completely eleanor says we're behind enemy lines and she's exactly right and and the rules change when you are in hostile territory everybody knows that yes everyone who's been (laughs) Uh, everyone on this podcast who's ever been in a foxhole. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. I mean, the rules of war are different than the rules of normal existence. Right. I mean, and I think his his point that he says earlier is principles aren't principles when you pick and choose when to follow them. But... Yeah, but most men who, you know, were drafted into the Vietnam War felt like killing was wrong probably right i mean and the vietnam war is a morally complicated war pick a morally uncomplicated war those men probably thought killing was wrong too but war is different yeah and in this case they're in a situation where like it literally is not life and death but a a pretty chill afterlife or an afterlife of eternal torture yeah it's almost worse than life or death because at least death is over yeah whereas in this situation you know, it, it, it's it's almost more important that Chidi, like, breaks out of his own shell. Right, and I think part of the problem is that as they're writing these episodes, they know how, they know where to start and they know where to end. You know, I'm sure that the, the season arc was planned out and then someone said, okay, hey, you, for this episode, we need them to get into the bad place and then we need them to, all of them get out except for Michael. And, like, how you achieve that is up to you. Yeah. You know, Michael has to sacrifice himself. Fine. I think a writer gets an assignment like that and says, well, the mo- I-, I need some tension in this episode. And the easiest way for me to create tension is to rely on Chidi's moral rigidity. It's either Chidi's moral rigidity or Jason's stupidity, right? Those are the two <laughs> easiest crutches for the writers on this show. And they went with Chidi's moral rigidity here because Jason's stupidity would have instantly gotten them all found out if that had been brought to bear. Actually, it doesn't. He fits in like a glove at this place. No, but he knows he's being deceitful and he's totally fine with it. Right, he's, because he's, he's going been by another name. His whole life, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. He's going by another name. He's claiming that he works in the Molotov cocktail department. I see what he's, you're saying. So if it if they had tried to lean on Jason doesn't understand that they're being deceitful, Jason can't keep up the facade, that would have put a halt to things pretty quickly. And it doesn't lend itself to a very interesting storyline because the only alternative is to have one of the other characters sort of head him off at the pass every time, which is maybe funny once or twice, but it doesn't create an opportunity for a real conversation the way that Eleanor and Chidi have a real conversation about moral particularism versus whatever Kant's thing is. I never 
took a philosophy class. No, we've been pretty um, clear about that. Yeah. <laughs> we've been very clear that we are completely ignorant on this subject. <laughs> so it's just, it's narratively convenient to make Chidi the sticky wicket in most of these episodes. Yeah. And so I that's mean, what keeps happening over and over again. And it feels like the third or fourth episode in a row where that's been a plot point and I'm a little tired of it. Well, and imagine how everybody in his life on earth felt, right? <laughs> like this is, I, I think the charitable way to look at it is this is Chidi's thing. This is his whole, I mean, this is just his whole deal that he's about to do something and then he has a freak out about it, which is why, you know, going back to his relationship with Eleanor, which is why he finds it so amazing that in that moment when she says, I love you, he can just say it right back. and In the videotape. In the right. videotape. Yeah, yeah. And not, yeah, thanks for the clarification, because she basically <laughs> said that last week and he was like, you're symmetrical. Um, <laughs> but in the videotape, when they're in bed and she confesses her love, he says it right back and watching that video he's like astounded at himself because he's never been able to just make a decision and go with it and i think what i would love is to see him you know we've seen eleanor be the leader in almost every situation uh up to this point or at least the one who's brazen enough to stand up and do the dumb thing right i would love for him to for chidi to have a shot at doing that to say you know we're gonna we're going to make this decision and right or wrong, you know, we're, I'm going to stick to my guns rather than having this. He's so waffly all the time. I mean, I think probably part of that is if you have a show Bible with the character motivations and how would they react in these different situations, Chidi being icky about lying has been pretty since episode one of the first season has been his big character trait but i think you're right at this point it's it's time to have him to let him have some growth yes i have a question Uh uh-huh so we don't know where janet is i'm so worried about her i'm very worried about her but she could maybe she's gonna end up just blending in yeah i mean first i want to just uh say how hysterical uh, she was in this episode trying Once to again, be I, as the Janet. Emmy committee, would like to award <laughs> Darcy Carden all the Emmys. All the Emmys for like, hey, you get your ugly necks over here. <laughs> she I'm sorry say, I said you had ugly yeah. necks. <laughs> yes, we cannot deal with it. I love it so much. We don't know where Janet is. And Michael is How did stuck. she get lost in the... How did she get lost in the fracas? Like, how did that happen? I don't know, but if we don't know where she is, but we know she's in Bad Place HQ, we know that Michael is stuck in Bad Place HQ. We know that they have had an episode that is all about their relationship together and how they are friends. Yes, I think the most likely scenario at this point is if Michael's going to get out of this, which I think we have to assume he is going to get out of this because he's Ted Danson. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I agree. Then... The way that he's going to get out of this is that Janet is going to do something amazing. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was going. Because I was like, I, ha- you know, seeing him sort of sacrifice himself, I was like, oh no. And then I was like, but it's Ted Danson. And I think he's, I, I, I hope Yeah, it's Michael, not Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> right, right. You know, I hope we're going to have a lot more Michael. So I, I do think that it was sort of a convenient thing that, 
that I mean, speaking of article yeah. roundup, he does mention that he's going to be filming the next season. So it's not <laughs> as though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And then, yeah, I mean, so the other, well, I, I guess, do we want to take a stab at maybe what we think, even though I have given up on trying to, uh, no, I don't show? want to. No, I don't want to. Don't but want you to have either. a you have a good discussion question here I, in the Yeah. Well, my little discussion question is not really a question, it's more of a statement, which is no Adam Scott cameo at this at this party like <laughs> not for a second with the toxic masculinity bros like just get him on camera for 30 seconds. Like just call up Adam Scott and be like it's Michael Sure, we're BFFs, get over here. Just I don't heart. disagree. I don't yeah. disagree. It would have been ni- it would have been like a nice nod, I think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so you brought this up at the very top of the recap that the judge exists in a neutral zone that's separate from the good place and the bad place. They also the good place and the bad place also share an accounting department, which is in the neutral zone. A couple episodes, we had an entire conversation. About also, doesn't he say also the Janet warehouses? The Janet are in, warehouse are in the neutral zone. The Janet warehouse is in the neutral zone as well. Thank you for the reminder. So that means that we actually weren't that far off a couple episodes ago. I know. I'm shocked. I'm also shocked. Because... I mean, places do not share accounting departments if they're not, to excuse the parlance, in bed together. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Janet Warehouse, you know, that was your whole point with it's basically one piece of software with a toggle switch, right? Right. They're all in the same warehouse that's in this neutral territory. So that means that you have good place employees and bad place employees going in. And also that explains why it might've been easier for Michael to go in and steal a good Janet. Doesn't he say something in the moment about how they're not even watching or something? Oh, maybe I didn't catch that. I'd have to go back and watch Michael and Janet, but yeah, but I mean, so we shockingly were not that far off, which makes me wonder about this judge. And whether or not there is kind of like what we were talking about, this sort of board of directors that oversees the whole thing. Because Sean is clearly just on the side of the bad place. We haven't met anybody from the good place yet. And we, I'm We've seen them on Mindy's television. Yes. Yes. Um, But we haven't like spent any time with them other than that. It makes me wonder about this judge, honestly, and how that whole system works. Like, is this the CEO of Afterlife Incorporated, as you were saying a couple episodes ago? Right, right. Yeah, it's a little unsettling because traditionally when we think of a heaven and a hell, we think of them as being diametrically opposed. We think of them as, you know, the hell is the degenerate version of heaven and was created by a rebel angel or whatever. They don't share an accounting department You know, they don't share any physical space whatsoever, and you can't move from one to the other. They're just complete opposites. Whereas this, there's a much cozier relationship at work here. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it sort of makes you wonder about, like, I think we're back to that place where we need an org chart. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And it sort of makes you wonder how, if the, if they share a neutral zone... If they basically share Janet's, like the the in, the pieces of software that become Janet's, if they share an accounting department, what kind of other things do they share? Values or 
you know, sort of the disregard for human forms or, you know what I mean? Are we going to get an answer potentially when we see this judge about why the afterlife is set up this way? We've never gotten any Gosh, hint. Gosh, I hope so. Yeah, we've never gotten any hint of why would you make take this tiny percentage of people, put them in a paradise, take the vast, vast, vast majority of human souls and torture them for all eternity. What end does that serve? Even in a very bleak Christian hell, I think the stated purpose of hell is to sort of purge sinners of their sin. Does that sound plausible to you? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I know. We're not Christian, but no. I think that even people who talk about fire and brim- brimstone are talking about it under the auspices of we have to burn away, you know, all of the sinful parts of a human soul. And some people believe that at some point you burn away so much of the sin that, you know, maybe that soul can enter a different sort of state. There there doesn't... I don't think that there are any major religions that talk about torture occurring simply for the sake of torture. Torture qua torture. <laughs> and I, yeah, that I don't know. What... So, like, what purpose is all of this serving who who is being served by the huge amount of human misery that's being generated by the bad place is there some sort of i mean like <laughs> all right i'll just i'll just go full nerd here i'll talk about doctor who for a second <laughs> there's a there's a doctor who uh spin-off show called torchwood and one of the seasons of torchwood there's a species of alien. It's the most upsetting thing I think I've ever seen from BBC. And I don't advise anybody watches it, even though it's very good. Essentially, aliens come to Earth because they want to take children, specifically to use children as basically like the equivalent of alien heroin. You know, they, they, yeah. they, yeah, it's horrible. And so there's, you know, so, so that's, that's the motivation of these aliens. And then all these terrible things happen. And it's a very good series, but it's also very, very bleak. But that you at least get this sense of why it's happening, why this terrible thing is happening, why these aliens have landed and demanded that children be delivered to them. I mean, it takes a while into this, into the season before you figure out exactly why, but I am kind of curious now if somebody's going to reveal at some point, like, that human misery, sort of sort of like Monsters, Inc., you know? Yeah, how, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, how in Monsters, Inc., initially children's screams, but then later children's laughter are energy for this monster world. Are we going to get to a point where we find out that human misery is energy for the afterlife? Because I don't see why this whole thing is set up the way that it is in the apparent absence of a god. Yeah. I that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, like to what end, right? Like what's your output and who are you accountable to? And yeah, what's the point? I mean, what I is the we, point? Right? What the is point? the point? <laughs> Traditionally in in human religions, the point of the afterlife is it's usually not even to punish people for their lives on earth so much as 
maybe cleanse the soul or, you know, in some religions, if you've made it to a certain a level of enlightenment, you get to achieve nirvana versus you have to go back into the cycle of reincarnation if you haven't. You know, in the Greek myths, there was Hades and it wasn't, but it wasn't torture. It was, you know, some people forgot their lives on earth, but it, I don't seem to remember, and you know, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't seem to remember any human religions where it was like, well, there's just this huge population of demons who love to torture human souls. And so we let them do it <laughs> be- because they like it. They yeah. find it fun. Yeah. Well, what I think maybe what you're getting at is like, there is a reason behind every choice that like every religion makes for how they sort of structure their belief in an afterlife. Right. And what's, what's difficult about this setup is that it is very different than a lot of the sort of mainstream uh, religion stories that we've heard about the afterlife. It's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around the idea that, you know, there might not be a reason that makes sense to us because look, religion is created by humans for the purposes of explaining things that we can't explain. Right. And in this scenario, it seems like this afterlife exists, whether or not humans believe in it, this is where you end up. Right. (laughs) Right. So, you know, this afterlife almost operates independently from the religions and the the belief structures that we know on earth. And so it's very, I find it very difficult to like kind of wrap my head around, okay, well then what is your structure that you organize yourselves by? Do you think the judge is going to be that Canadian stoner? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I want it to be him. I was just, sorry, I was just looking at the Wikipedia page about the Muslim concept of hell. Mm-hmm. Which is called, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm winging this, folks, Jahannam. And there is a certain amount of punishment of evildoers in there, but it also, there's disagreement about whether it's really eternal. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say, especially since I, there's so many sects of Christianity, and I, I couldn't possibly tell you the, the afterlife beliefs of each one, but I, there, there, even if, punishment for evil is a stated purpose of the afterlife in some religions it, it it generally is not the sort of evil that involves saying i need a vacation from my vacation yeah that's a great point they're talking about you know in in like a fundamentalist christian situation you're talking about you know murderers or you unbelievers know. unbelievers yeah which is a, a, a more of a, an issue, I think. Yeah. <laughs> a broader swath of people, for sure. Yeah, you and I get excused if it's murderers, not so excused if it's heathens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, all right, let's just say, you know, Ten Commandments-esque, right? Like, thou shalt not kill. Okay, you break that commandment, you go to hell, you get, you get punished for it. Um, and so there is some cleansing, but maybe there's also some purification involved in that. With this, you're right, we were in the low-grade tortures room, which is, like, the first person to ever floss in an open-plan office, the pers- the first person to ever say, I need a vacation for my vacation. The, the first per- white person to wear dreadlocks, which I was like, that's, 
I get the joke you're going for, but dreadlocks have been present in a lot of like European cult. Okay, okay, maybe I should just <laughs> yeah, just leave, just leave that alone. Just leave it. Yeah. Um, the first person, the first man to send an unsolicited picture of his genitalia, which like you know we could have a whole conversation about that too. But it's like <laughs> these very. I mean, I think that goes back to the conversations that we've had in the past about these point totals and how just how ludicrous it is the things that you get dinged for and how much harder it is to really rack up enough points to get into this good place. Like, what's the purpose behind that, I think, is the is the question that we're asking. You know, why is it so easy to get into hell in this scenario or go to the bad place? And Why, why is, is so- there even why ev- why is there even a good place? Great question. I don't know. Who created all this? I guess that's a universal question of human existence. But like, (laughs) who created this whole afterlife system? And if what you ultimately wanted was to torture everybody, but you left out this tiny percentage of people, like, why not just go whole hog? Why not torture everybody? Yeah, I think we really need some answers. I'm, I'm hoping... That the next episode or the next couple of episodes that we have left with the judge will maybe get some answers about some of this stuff. Because I think, you know, I I know that this show, part of the charm of it and part of the interesting, like, why we love talking about it so much is that it does bring up all these really big questions. But I think at a certain point, you want to understand the rules that you have to play by in order to participate in the show. And you you want to see them. They've done a fantastic job of world building throughout. And I think the the really nice touches of like Michael runs past one of his colleagues and it's like a giant blob monster. You yeah. Know, yeah, they've done an of, excellent job of world building the bad place. Yes. <gasps> excellent- what if the what if the reveal is that there is no good place? Oh, dip. But then why are there good Janets? Okay, I didn't think that through very much, but I think it's very possible that Michael, at least, has no idea what the real good place is like, how many people actually get in, what's, you know, I think it's, maybe he's told a certain thing, but but that's actually not how the good place works. Yeah, like maybe he got, like, a bad place orientation when he started as a architect's apprentice, and, like, that's what they're just led to believe and we could have some kind of like Truman Show esque situation where all of a sudden everything you believed is crashing down around you. Yeah, or like, is the good place kind of a? Is it more like a first class on an airplane? Like it's still kind of you're still on an airplane, but at least you get a little bit more leg room. <laughs> Meaning that the tortures are less torturous, or, or meaning that it's not. It's not like the paradise that we would necessarily think about. It's it's just sort of okay. And I don't know, maybe they maybe it's about like keeping up the mystique around it. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there because I truly have no idea. But yeah, like what if they're or or what if what if what if afterlife incorporated, so to speak, is like really struggling for some reason, you know, because they they thought this model would work and it's not working. But uh you're imagining some sort of economy that they're taking part in? Yeah, I mean, well, if it's a if it's run like a corporation. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. All right, fine. 
I'm not I'm not saying all of them are good. I'm not saying all of them are gems, guys. <laughs> I think we need to hear more from this judge. That's what I'm looking to for next week. I just want I just want some rationale. Yeah. I'm with you. I also hope the judge is secretly a woman. I'm tired of all these dudes. Secretly a woman meaning a woman. Well, yeah, well, Michael keeps referring to the judge as he. Oh, yeah, yeah. So okay. it would be secretly it's a woman. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just tired of the uh, hierarchy at the bad place being all male. Well, I think that's purposeful, isn't it? I totally agree it's purposeful. And I also think that the judge should be female. That's fair. I'm into that. Should be one of the judges from Law and Order. Ooh. There was a CCH Pounder, judge. maybe? Was she ever a judge on Law and Order? She I was, think right? She, she was a lawyer, I think. Okay. We could get her in. Or. Judging Amy, that was a show. And I don't I can't say it was very good. So it sounds like we're sort of wrapping up. Yeah, I would say so. But I did there was another um moment in this Hollywood reporter article that I like where they ask, How much time will you be spending in the bad bad place? They're talking to uh Ted Danson. And he said, I'll leave you in mystery, but I will say enveloping the whole town and moving on is definitely a bold move. To take your home location, fold it up, and say, that's gone. It's pretty bold. I'm eager to see what next season is like. Because wherever we're walking, it won't be the same. Regarding the unaired episodes, I have nothing to share except it's bold. It's very bold. This is a real disappointment because everybody has called him Ted Loose Lips Dancing. That's what Jamila Jamil calls him that, yeah. And he seems to have learned to button his, button his trap. And that's a shame. Yeah. Ted Danson, we need you. Will you come on the show? You liked my tweet. I don't want to interview Ted Danson. Why not? Because I would be too starstruck and awkward. But he liked my tweet. He did like your tweet. <laughs> Let's just reiterate that. For yes. those who didn't listen to the last episode. Uh, anything else? I don't have any spoiler space because they have not released a synopsis for the final episode called Somewhere Else. They still have not released a a synopsis for that, so I have no new spoiler space. So that's... So we... Do we have two more episodes? Two more episodes, and then we are done for the whole summer, which is kind of crazy. It's winter. Yeah, that's why it's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got a lot of time to fill. We'll figure it out. Well, no, we've got we've got a very uh, we've got a very busy schedule up ahead of us. So don't yeah. you forget about us, listeners. We're gonna play some simple minds. Don't you forget about me? Yeah, you know that was an implicit reference that I felt like people were just gonna get on their own time. Well, I decided to for for those of you who need a little bit of an extra shove for the Jasons in the audience. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Until next time, don't get your soul food from Maine. Yeah, blech. or your bagels from Alabama. Come Good to, call. Come to my my city for that. New York for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll catch you next time, ding dongs. No, no, no.